As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! normally high fly ball deep left field oh 27 does it again for this year wall sends it well out to left center field and it's gone he went to garrett way this is brandon marsh the los angeles angels baseball you listen to all angels podcasts and welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. And it's always better to do these podcasts after a series win like the Angels had this weekend against the Texas Rangers. Taking 3 of 4 out in Texas. And before this series started on the last podcast, I talked about these are the kind of series you need to have. You have to win them. Take 3 of 4. Even sweep them. But 3 of 4 is definitely something that will help the Angels move forward into the season. Last year, it seemed like they really, really struggled against the AL West. But Texas was the one team they did take advantage of, and hopefully that does continue through the rest of this year. Texas is getting better. You you saw glimpses of that throughout the series, especially offensively. Pitching-wise, you kind of see where they're at. Definitely something that the Angels can take advantage of going forward, and they definitely did it in this series. So let's kind of recap the series a little bit before we start talking about some of the topics that have been top of mind, if you will, for myself, and I'm sure a lot of you people, including Otani leadoff spot, um, some movements in the roster, where this team goes from here. So before we get to that, let's get to this little recap. So obviously the series starts on Thursday out in Texas with Otani on the mound. Otani having a really, really good start out in Anaheim to start the season. So a lot of eyes on him to look at what he can do the second time around in the rotation and see if he is still can be that top end ace type pitcher but uh, he ran into some struggles this week the angels are this outing the angels do get up early though with a mike trout home run in the top of the first to make it 1-0 later in that inning marsh would get an rbi single to make it 2-0 so up early up in the up two runs in the very first inning you think to yourself, you know, that's great. That is something that Otani can really use to maybe calm himself down. But it always seems, you always hear people talk about it is easier to pitch with 
a lead than trying to either hold the lead or, you know, feeling like you can't really, you can't really make a mistake because then the, you know, you're going to be losing after that point. So the angels did their part, gave him a lead to start. And for a while it was okay. But in the second, Otani would have the most trouble he would see all game long. After two singles and a walk, Jonah Heim would come up and hit a grand slam to make the score four to two. Obviously, Otani's control wasn't great, but also, and you've kind of seen it in the post I've been putting up, there is a Twitter account that's ump scorecard, and I try to retweet that or post it on the Instagram, the, the report card from the previous game. And for this whole series, the Texas have been getting a lot of the benefit of doubts on a lot of pitches. Um, and then it seems like it doesn't really necessarily flip to the Angels um, pitching where they're getting the same calls or they're not getting the same breaks as the Texas uh, pitchers were going. But with this grand slam, honestly, he had him down 0-2. He threw uh, his splitter, a splitter that has never been hit for a home run uh, on an 0-2 count in his career. He left it up, left it flat, which is something you definitely can't do. And they end up making him regret it, making uh, hitting a grand slam again, putting the score at four to two. And with two on and two out, Otani would be taken out in the fourth inning. He only goes three and two thirds with six runs, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts, and obviously that one grand slam. So, not exactly what a lot of Angel fans were looking for this outing. And honestly, it's going to happen. Honestly, it's a long season. Um, you don't expect Otani or any pitcher for that for that fact to go out there and be dominant, shut down every time they take the mound. They're going to have games where it it just doesn't work. You know, the feel's not there. The you know the the movement of the ball isn't there. there there's going to be games like that. There is going to be games like that. And I guess as as fans, you you don't want it to be in the second game because everything's still fresh. You still have um, you still have like high hopes for the season, but when the second outing happens, now you're starting to second guess, is this guy going to be what he was last year or was last year a flash in the pan as far as pitching wise. So still a lot to be seen with the show. Hey, still a lot that's going to be out there for him to prove everyone that last year wasn't a fluke on the mound and that, you know, he's just as good as a pitcher as anyone else in the league. And, you know, just on this day on Thursday, he did not have it. But, you know, obviously the, the Rangers end up putting up a few more and the final score was 5-10. to 10. Angels do score a couple runs over the last two innings to kind of, I guess, make it a little bit interesting. But at the end of the day, Rangers win 5-10 to 10, and definitely not a way you want to open up a series against a defense uh, di- divisional opponent that you have high hopes as far as beating them and beating them handily throughout the season. So not the start you wanted. So Friday, they move on. Friday, Jackie Robinson Day. Obviously, if you watched any games that day, you saw that the blue, which is new this year, the blue 42 was on the back of every player. And I think that's a really cool tribute. I really like the fact they put it in blue this year. I'm not sure if it's because... It's the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier or if there's something that they're going to do moving forward. But 
I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a really nice tribute. And you saw uh, throughout baseball, very touching tributes to Jackie Robinson, whether it was someone who threw out the first pitch or something they'd done like, you know, pregame in a video. Very, very cool to see. But Friday, when we get to the game, Reed Detmers, again, his second start of the season. First start, not necessarily the best, but um, this time he'll have a, he had a full week to prepare. If you remember last time, he kind of got thrown into that second spot when Patrick Sandoval said that he was feeling fatigued and he wasn't able to make the, the second day start last week. So, But now Detmers has a full week. You would think hopefully you get a little bit more out of him, and it was still kind of touch and go for Detmers in this outing. Again, very young, still a rookie, not even a full season in the majors yet. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs with this kid. Can he get it done? Yes. Can he be something special in the future? I believe so. But I think for this season, or at least the first half of the season, Angel fans are going to have to be patient because I do think he's going to show brilliance. There's going to show times where he looks, you know, unhittable. And there's going to be times where he shows he's he's a rookie. He's a rookie and he's still learning. And I think this game kind of showed it a little bit because in that very first inning Detmers was out there, I tweeted about it. His his pitch mix, his you know, the was 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 really good. It looked like the the hitters didn't know what was coming. Whether it was his curveball that is you know a, a slower breaking, hard breaking curveball, or his fastball that goes around, I think it was like ninety five, ninety four. You know the timing of the pitcher or the batters were you know are they too early? Then they're late, and it it just looked like they had no idea what was coming. They looked very off balance, and it really looked good. It really looked like he had it working in that um, first inning, but. In the top of the first, with the Angels, again, starting out the game, uh, Shohei Otani wasted no time to get on the board. Underway in Arlington. Shohei takes the first pitch and sends it deep to right field. Garcia drifting, and it's gone! Don't blink. one nothing Halos as Shohei Otani jumps Matt Bush on the very first pitch of the night. And again, that would put the Angels up 1-0 in the first inning. And like I mentioned, Reed Detmers had a very, very good bottom of the first. Mixing up pitches very, very well. And he really looked comfortable out there. Joe Adele will come out in the second inning up to bat and give the Angels a little more breathing room when he goes absolutely deep. Oh, Joe teeing off. A homer on Jackie Robinson Day. And that one was hit way out there. Top tank. Santa Maria. The Texas Rangers would work back and get one on the board in the second inning uh, to make it two to one. But the Rangers came up big in the fourth with five runs, including an intentional walk with the bases loaded to Corey Seager. And this is going to be a, a big um, a big talking point. This was a huge talking point that night. Um, Madden came out and said that he was just hoping to avoid the big inning, which I, I, I understand, but it's definitely not something you see every day. And it's definitely not something you would Seeger's great. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a really good player. Did he necessarily deserve that kind of treatment? I don't know. I don't know if he's that good of a player, but nonetheless, um, yeah, they, they, they walk him with the bases loaded. They get a run there. They end up getting a sack fly later, and then another run scores, I believe, on a balk off of Austin Warren. Um, so they end up still kind of get they still end up getting a, a pretty big inning with five runs. So 
Um, whether that was Madden's idea to limit it and it didn't limit or whatever the case may be. But at the end of it, it was 6-2 to two Rangers. And another big inning, and you saw from the day before with Otani on the mound, it just seems like these huge innings seem to hurt the Angels. The rest of the game, they're fine. It just seems like limiting damage and limiting damage and at a at a certain level where it's not going to really necessarily come back and bite you in the foot. But nonetheless, like, like I mentioned, Rangers up six to two but in the top of the fifth kurt ends up getting one of those back with this home run tired all four angels that he's faced in relief and kurt puts a charge in one that's well hit out to left get going gone third solo shot of the night for the angels and one comes right back here in the fifth and that would inch the angels to a six to three deficit as they again start working back in that very same inning Otani's breaking out what some would call a slump. I never called it a slump. I called it seven games at this point, seven games or eight games. But he shows himself to be right where he needs to be and the same offensive player as last year. And here's Shohei swinging and driving one deep out into right field. That one is out near the second deck. It drops in the first deck for a home run for Shohei. That is his second of the ball game. And that would make the score five to six. Angels down only by one now working their way back. Walsh would end up getting the tying RBI on a single. The fifth inning wouldn't be done yet because Marsh comes up and he ends up getting a sack fire to take the lead for the Angels seven to six after five. Walsh would put it away, put the final nail in the coffin, if you will, in the seventh inning with this two-run shot. Walsh lifts one in the air into left field. That ball's carrying deep out into left field, and that one is gone. Jared Walsh with an opposite field two-run homer. And that would make the score 9-6. to six. All the Angels need. You end up getting great pitching after Detmers. Again, Detmers ends up going three and a third, six hits, six or five earned runs. But after that, you had Warren giving up one run, uh, then Loop to Para. Eddie Iglesias all coming in, all shutting everyone down. The only hit between those three guys was Iglesias, but he ended up striking out too. So the bullpen, again, doing what they're supposed to do and keep these games close and letting our offense get back into it, whether it be through the home run ball like they did a lot in this game or through base hits like they've done in other games. But uh, the bullpen is definitely showing promise, definitely showing that it has improved from last year because – I, you know, I think about last year and I think, well, if the score was going to be six to two, um, there was going to be a good chance that by the end of it, whatever team the Angels are playing, they're probably going to get seven, eight, nine runs because of the bullpen. Now it seems like this year, if you're able to get the bullpen in there at a good time, they're going to hold the run right where it's at. And this time it was six and they gave the guys opportunity to come back and score. And that's exactly what you want to see with this offense as powerful as it is. So moving on to Saturday, a little news before the game Saturday, and we all kind of knew it was going to happen. Taylor Ward coming off the IL, has not started a game, has not played in a game all season long, went on the IL right before the start of the season. Well, he gets activated, and the corresponding move to go to that was to send uh, Rojas down to AAA. If you remember, Rojas was getting a lot of uh, reps in the outfield, and with Ward coming up and Madden saying that he's pretty much going to be a starter out there, in the outfield, Rojas seemed like to be the logical uh, person to be sent down. Um, Joe has been kind of turning it around a little bit. I know he had a really rough start to the beginning of the season, 
but you've seen how his power's coming through, you know, defensively. You, you you feel like he's getting better. We'll have to wait and see on that. But it just kind of does feel like Rojas was the uh, obvious choice when making those roster moves. So going into Saturday, Thor on the mound again. Another great outing. We're talking about Otani last time when he pitched in Angel Stadium. I think maybe even a better outing than that was when Noah Syndergaard took the mound at Angel Stadium for his first start as an Angel. Now, fast forward to Saturday, his first start in the state he was he was born in in Texas and he did not disappoint at all going six innings only give up five hits two earned runs four strikeouts and zero walks and I think that's the biggest key for him is that he's not giving up any walks he struck out four which is three more than he did last time last outing he only struck out one and that game he seemed like he really worked hard on getting ground balls or that's end up what happened getting a lot of ground balls this game for the, at least the first half of this, the game, it, it seemed like he was getting a ton of fly balls, ton of weak fly balls, lazy fly balls. So whatever is, it's working for him, keep on doing it because he doesn't necessarily have the velocity he had back pre-Tommy John, and he actually mentioned about it um, in the post game that right now he's good sitting you know, 95, 96, but he does feel that he will eventually get up to triple digits or you know 98 um, over time. But... I hope, I hope that he doesn't try to then be try to become one of these overpowering pitchers where he all he throws is fastball. What's been working with him, I feel like he's been changing speeds very, very well, and I hope when that velocity does come back, he doesn't forget that because it does seem like he has now a new weapon in the arsenal, and I just hope he doesn't forget that it's there because if he does get back to that 199-mile-per-hour uh, fastball for, you know, you know, maybe in a three or four starts, uh, you just hope that he's able to produce the same way. But two really good starts, one on the road, one at home, definitely turning out to be the top guy in the Angels rotation. Um, you know, the, pretty much the second time through through the rotation with more to come. But the Angels would go up early again with three runs in the top of the third. But unlike last night where the night before where it seemed like the Angels were just bombing the ball over the wall over and over again. This time it was happening with singles and walks and sack flies and just, you know, I guess you want to call it small ball. That's exactly what was happening, and the Angels took the lead 3-0. Texas tries to get back into it, ends up scoring two in the bottom of the third, but that's all they do. They only score two. Angels do a good job. Syndergaard does a good job of limiting that big inning that has haunted the Angels the last two games. And it pretty much would stay all the all. Ugh. It would pretty much stay like that all the way to the eighth inning, with a score four to two. When Otani comes up to plate and does this, there's a drive to right field. Calhoun turns his back and it's out of here. Another first pitch homer for Shohei. So now you're looking at two days, three home runs. Otani seems to be finding his groove. Seems seems to be right where he needs to be for the season. People talking about a slump. People talking about the leadoff spot isn't working for him. I think now he's showing that it wasn't a issue about where he's leading off or where he's where he's you know in the lineup. I think it was just him just getting back into the groove of things. So we'll see how that plays out. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But Otani with another home run makes it six to two, and in the ninth, with his first start of the season, we talked about that Taylor Ward making his first start of the year goes yard 
to make the score 7-2. Ward swings and sends a ball to deep center field. Garcia will only watch, and that one's gone. First of the year for Taylor Ward. 7-2 Halos. So the Angels would make it 7-2, finish the game 7-2, and another victory for the Angels, two in a row. Now, at the worst case, you would have a split. But again, playing a team like the Texas Rangers, the last thing you really want to do is lose the series. The second thing you wouldn't want to do is split the series. This is a team you definitely need to win the series, take three out of four, or sweep them. So, But they put themselves in a very good position to do that after the very strong outing by Noah Syndergaard and the victory by the Angels. Again, 7-2 to two on Saturday night. So Sunday, Easter Sunday. I hope everyone out there had a great Easter. Woke up a little early to get this game in. I know I did before I did my whole Easter activities with family. I was able to get up and watch this game on Sunday. So Jose Suarez on the mound, another one of these young pitchers that, you know, might have a little bit of an up and down at the beginning of the year, but you hope that after a month or two, he is able to find it or Angels have a backup plan for it. Because if Noah Syndergaard is pitching well, if Otani's pitching well, we'll see how Lorenzen does on Monday against Houston. Uh, if he can back up his performance against the Marlins, he might be pitching well. You just hope that some of these younger guys are able to also contribute to um, this team and continue to this rotation. But we'll have to wait and see about that. So Jose Suarez ends up going four and a third inning. Not great. Five hits, three earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts. It definitely seemed early in the game he would get himself in situations, but was able to get out of it, limiting damage. And with only three earned runs, I think he did a fairly good job of that. There was plenty of opportunity for Texas to score, plenty of opportunities for a uh, snowball type of inning to happen, but it never happened with, with the Rangers in this game. And the Angels would score first for the fourth time in this series with a RBI, not even an RBI, but Otani would score on a pass ball in the first, giving the Angels a 1-0 lead. So the Angels were able to get up on the board first every single game this series, which, you know, in theory, you would like that. You you like to get on the board first, give your pitchers a little more, to re, little more time to relax, let them go out there and not have to necessarily pitch in such a high-stress type of situation. The Rangers would come back though and score one. The Rangers would come back and end up scoring one run in the next inning, making it one to one. But in the third inning, the Angels got uh, the lead back when they scored three runs, capped off by this Matt Duffy RBI single. One one to Duffy, a base hit into right field. Here's Ward to score. Four straight Angels have reached base with two out. So again, Duffy. Scores the RBI single at the end of the inning to make the score 4-1 to one after the top of the third. The Angels wouldn't look back as they scored two in the sixth and two in the eighth to make the score 8-3. to three, And that's the final score of the game, 8-3. to three. No home runs, a lot of stolen bases. Um, small ball was kind of the theme of this game. You saw it a lot. You saw a lot of stolen bases. You saw a lot of attempts at stolen bases. You, lo- you saw a lot of... Um, that small ball, which is which is great, which is good to bust out every once in a while and show, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to steal a ton of bases, but if you can at least be a threat to steal bases, I think that helps your team immensely because now whenever there's someone on 
on, on first base or second base for that matter, if it is a, you know, uh, Velasquez, if it is, um, you know, some of these faster guys they have on the team, it, it's going to be Marsh or Adele, you know, it, it's going to be in the back of those pitchers' minds whether or not, you know, are they going to steal? Do I have to be quicker to the plate? And if you can get in their head at least a little bit and hopefully make them throw a mistake and someone at the plate could take advantage of it, that's going to be a huge benefit. Uh, ben, uh, that's going to be a huge benefit. It's going to be very beneficial for the Angels um, going throughout the season. But yeah, so the Angels end up winning eight to three, taking three out of four from the Texas Rangers. A little bit of a scary moment, though, in this game Sunday. We saw that Mike Trout got hit on the back of his hand by a pitch. Good news, it was a 81-mile-per-hour slider, not a fastball that some of these guys can throw at 95-plus. If it was, you know, 95-plus fastball, you might be thinking, you know, the worst. But it was an 81-mile-per-hour slider. They did x-rays right there at the stadium, came back a couple innings later saying that the x-rays were negative. He did end up leaving the game when he got hit in the fifth, but the fact that the x-rays came back negative, huge, huge plus for the Angels, huge, huge good news for the Angels, and hopefully it is one of those things where he just needs a few days off uh, to let the swelling go down and kind of be able to hit without pain. So fingers crossed. Hopefully you don't see a huge time miss by Mike Trout. I have a feeling we'll know more about it tomorrow. You always fear with something like that, that it's going to be worse the next day with the swelling and all that stuff. So the good news is it's not, it's not broken. I think that's the biggest thing you had to avoid is it being broken. And that's exactly what the angels did, but good news there. Good news that the angels end up taking three or four from the Texas Rangers and the angels are now up in the air on the road or on the flight to Houston. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. Let me talk about Athletic Greens real quick. I take Athletic Greens. It is something that I take every morning. And guess what? It's easy to drink, which for me, that's number one. It's not like all your other vitamin powders that have that real earthy taste to it. This is very easy to drink, which makes it easy for me to take every day. All it takes is a single scoop and water every day. Cold water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is gonna give you a full year supply for free with your first purchase. That's immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take your ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So a little bit about what's been going on in Twitter land, a little bit conversations that I have been having with people through DMs or just, you know, through comments. And you can always reach us on our social media. It is Halo underscore Haven on Instagram and on Twitter. Always like, 
uh, talking with people, always like uh, having conversations with, with people about Angels baseball, just baseball in general. And a lot of that so far this year has been talking about Otani in the leadoff spot. A lot of people, a lot of people feel that he does not belong there. Feels like he is being wasted there. Feel like the struggles he had coming into the series was based off of him hitting in that leadoff spot. I don't necessarily feel the same way. And this is why. The leadoff spot, as people have traditionally seen it, a, a short, or not short, a small, quick, on base, can bunt, can do all these things, steal a base, you know, take pitches. That ideal of a leadoff man hasn't, in my eyes, been an, been what MLB has been for the last handful of years. Ever since the whole launch angle three outcome kind of baseball has come into Major League Baseball, and, and that's a whole different issue. You know, I'm not here to say that that's the way to play it or that's the right way to play it or even if I like that way of baseball with the three outcomes, the, the walk, the strikeout, or the home run, but that's exactly what's going on in baseball right now. You know, it, it's how the game's being played. So in my eyes, the leadoff man getting on base isn't necessarily something that has to be the traditional type of guy. I think all the leadoff guy needs to do is be comfortable in that leadoff spot because it is a little different. It is a little different as far as you don't see pitches except for when you're in the box right away. But at the same time, and I've said this to people, you're only guaranteed to lead off one inning as a leadoff hitter. As a leadoff hitter, you're only guaranteed to lead off that very first inning, and that's one out of maybe four, maybe five times up. And I think what the Angels are doing, and I think this is the reason why they put Trout up in the second spot you know, so many years ago, was that they're trying to get their guys, their top guys, more at-bats. They're trying to get them up there more. And you look at the first 10 games from Otani last year compared to the first 10 games this year, you know, Otani has four more plate appearances this game than, or this season than last. Granted, it's not a lot. Four is not a lot, but it's again, it's only 10 games in. So that means after 30 games, he's going to have 12 more plate appearances than the year before. And you can see how that's going to get bigger and bigger as the season goes on. I don't know about you, but I like the fact that the more and more we can get Otani up to bat, the better this offense is going to be. And his struggles at the beginning of the year, I don't feel like had anything to do with him being in the leadoff spot. You can look at, you can look at the, the short and spring training and how that affects pitching. And that's been, that's been a huge talking point through Major League Baseball for the first uh, full week of baseball is the pitchers and not being able to pitch more than 80, 85 pitches. But at the same time, Batters haven't necessarily been getting the work they've been normally they would normally get right now too. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe that's all it is is that Otani needs to get a week's worth, or even yeah, maybe a week's worth because Friday was pretty much a week of a season. Maybe he just needs to get a week's worth of at bats more to get in the groove, get his feeling back. And if you see those last three games in Texas, it seems like the old Otani. It seems like the Otani from last year that got you know, MVP and came really close to breaking the Angels single season home run uh, record. Maybe it was just that he needed that week. I don't know. 
but I do truly believe that that leadoff spot is going to help the team out because I want him up more. I'm all, you know, people say we're wasting him about getting on base and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. For the first at bat, but if guys like the guys that are on the back end of the lineup, you know, uh, Andrew Velasquez, Marsh, um, Stassi or, or, or Suzuki, whoever's catching, if those guys can get on base, then there's not an issue now. And you saw with a couple of his home runs this this season so far have been two. I think both two of them have been two run home runs. So there's been guys on base. You know, yes, yeah, the solo shots. Everyone likes to make the joke that Angels just just hit solo shots. But guess what? Solo shots still count as runs. And eventually, you're going to get some of those other guys, those in between guys. You know, you have your you know, your, your Otanis, your Trouts, your Rendones, you have those guys, but those other guys, the Walshes, the Stassies, the Marshes, the um, Wards, you know, Ward's going to be a great addition to this lineup now that he's healthy. But if those guys can get on in that seventh, eighth, ninth spot, guess what? Otani's coming on with two or three guys on base. There's a perfect opportunity for him to hit this series. This series, I believe it was, I can't remember if it was Sunday or Saturday, with the bases loaded. And you know what? He grounded. He got grounded into a fielder's choice, but he busted his ass down the line, broke. So it wasn't a double play, but he still was able to get an RBI. So those opportunities are going to come for Otani, whether he's in the first spot or the second spot. And that's just the way I think Major League Baseball is is being played right now. It's not being played like high school ball. And and I, I, I get it. I get it. There's a lot of people out there that say this is not how you play baseball. Look at this or look at that. I, I truly believe in every sport, every sport, you can look at basketball, you can look at football, you can look at baseball. The way these games are being played, the way you, you know, some of you guys might have played it in college, isn't the way the majors play it. And you see it in every single sport. The way college basketball is being played isn't how the, M- the uh, NBA is being played. Same thing with football. The way the college football is being played isn't the same way that, you know, uh, uh, pro football is being played. You don't see a triple option in, in in the NFL, but you see it in a handful of schools in the in in college football. You know, you you don't don't see as many running quarterbacks in the NFL as you do in college. So, in every sport, there are ways to win at different levels. But I just think if you're going to try to compare, well, look how they do it. You know, at this school or blah 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 or this is how we played it when I was. Guess what? That's great, but it's not how you do it in Major League Baseball. I think the Major League Baseball is a different, different type of situation. Just like the NBA and the NFL are totally different situations from their um, amateur cohorts, if you will. So, I like what the Angels are doing. I hope the Angels keep it. Otani one, uh, Trout two, and then it seems like they're kind of mixing and matching with Rendon and Walsh in that three spot. But again. Otani just getting at bats. Otani just being able to get at bats more and seeing more pitches. And he himself, Otani, has said it. After that first game in Texas, uh, he came out and said, I, him personally, he needs to be used to this swinging. He's not used to getting these these many balls in the strike zone because of last year. And we know what happened last year. Very little protection once Trout went out. Very little help behind him at all. So he had to be very selective about what he hit and you know really had to focus in on a mistake. This year, guys are just pitching him to make sure he doesn't get on base, to make sure they don't walk him with Trout and those guys behind him. 
So he needs to take advantage of that. And it seems like once he mentioned that he needs to get used to swinging more because the balls are going to be in the zone more, you had a two-run or two-home run game followed by another game with a home run, followed by another game with with an RBI. So maybe that's the that's the change that Otani had to make for himself. And again, that has nothing really to do with the leadoff spot. It has more to do with that. Holy crap! Now I have actually people behind me protecting me. You know, it's new for him to be in the leadoff spot, but it's also <laughs> probably fairly new for him to have guys like Trout and Rendon and Walsh behind him to protect him. You know, you can talk about maybe his um, rookie of the year year, but other than that, you know, I don't remember the last time he had that much protection around him, and it does take a little bit to get used to. But again, we'll see how this plays out. It has been 10 games. I don't get how people are out there saying, oh, he's in a slump. He doesn't know what he's doing. You move him out of the way after eight games, but yet when he has two really good games, it's, well, it's only two games. We'll see what happens. But you're ready to, to mention it after eight. Both are short sample sizes. Short are both are un you know realistic sample sizes. You know I don't think Otani's going to hit two home runs every third game, or whatever. So, you know it, it's it's easy for fans to jump on it and be like, this is the easiest thing to talk about right now. He's in a slump. He's in a slump after eight games. Let's see what happens after sixty. I am more willing to kind of throw up the red flag and and get really worried after 60 because even if Otani struggles a little bit in this leadoff spot a struggling Otani is still going to put up really good numbers is it going to be the numbers that he had last year I don't know probably not but look at last year as a total as a whole him batting and him pitching and you heard a bunch of people talk about it it is so historic about what he did back then or last year so historic how can we, I guess, I don't understand how people can expect the same exact thing this year. What he did last year has never been done. 160 years of baseball, or probably even more than that, it has never been done. And now we're waiting for it to happen two years in a row. Does that mean I think Otani's going to be a bust and he's not going to be able to perform? He's not going to be able to pitch well? Or no, not at all. But do I expect him to put up these giant record-breaking numbers I, I don't expect it i expect them to you know be i expect them to be respectable i expect them to be something that's going to put them at the head of a lot of categories as something that still has not been done in years but last year was so crazy good so unbelievable that it's hard for me to believe it's going to happen again and again that's not taking anything away from otani that's not taking anything away from his him being capable of doing it, but at the same time, I'm realistic about it. If I see something that's once in a hundred years, I don't expect for that thing to come around the very next day. And that's kind of how I am with Otani. You know, you win a lotto scratcher thing for eight hundred dollars. I don't expect to go into a liquor store the next day, buy a scratcher, and win eight hundred dollars again. Will I win ten, fifteen? Yeah, maybe. Twenty? A hundred? Oh heck yeah, I'll take that. But do I expect to walk in there and scratch it off and get 800 again? No. But you you can go in there and expect to get something. And I think that's it's exactly what it is with Otani. Now, if he does that, now I'll, I'll tell the truth right now. If he does that again this year, what he did last year, all bets are off. I'm just going to be like, yeah, it's going to happen every year because this guy is a freak of nature. He's an alien from a different planet that came down and 
saw baseball and figured, hey, I can do this, and just absolutely blows everyone out. So we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the year. But I like Otani in that start-off spot. I love Otani in that just getting him more at-bats, getting him at-bats more so this year than last year. I don't think anyone's ever said, I'll take 50 less at-bats for Otani because it's good for him. I don't think everyone's ever said that. I don't think anyone's ever thought about that. And I think that's exactly what's happening with that leadoff spot. Get him more at-bats. Get him out there. Get him able to um, get him out there. Get him able to, get him to play more. Just get him out there to play more. And hopefully the pitching comes around. Hopefully that after this last tough start on the mound, Otani is able to kind of turn the page and able to do um, well on the mound again uh, next week in Houston. I believe he's pitching on Wednesday in Houston, but we'll get to the, we'll look ahead of that in a little bit, but I don't have an issue with that. I want to hear your feedback. Now that you hear my two cents on why I don't mind Otani in the leadoff spot, Go ahead and email us, DM us, whatever. Um, all Angels Podcast at gmail.com, all Angels Podcast at gmail.com, or our social media feed at Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and Instagram. So I want to hear what you guys think about that. I personally don't mind it. I think the leadoff spot is very overrated. I think the whole idea is to get him more at bats, get him more opportunities for doubles, get him more opportunities for home runs, get him more opportunities for triples. You can't go wrong by giving him more chances to do something historic. And that's how I feel. You bury him in the third spot, you know, you're probably not going to get as many at-bats as you can. And those RBIs aren't guaranteed because you have Trout in front of him. Who's to say that Trout wouldn't hit a bunch of home runs and bases would be cleared anyway? So there's a lot of what I think and this should happen, but I, I, I truly, truly believe that him in that leadoff spot is going to help the Angels offense and we'll see with this trout injury well honestly i want to see how this trout injury you know maybe that changes it maybe otani goes down to the second spot and gets protected by rendon maybe rendon comes up to the second spot and protects otani i do think the, this him leading hitting leadoff has to do a lot with trout behind him and giving him that protection so if trout is going to miss a couple games uh, maybe this is where the lineup kind of gets uh, uh, mixed up a little bit and that we'll wait to see about that on Monday. Something else real quick. If you watched the game on Friday night, um, you saw the comebacker that hit Austin Warren. It looked like I, I couldn't tell by the replay it looked like on the back or maybe the forearm, but so far a couple of days since it happened, no IL stint. So that's always good. Um, his sister tweeted out on that night that, uh, a screenshot of their conversation. Very simple. Are you good? And he and Austin came back and said, I'm great. So take that for what it's worth. But no IL stint and no news as far as any kind of soreness or anything like that. So I think that's a very good um, very good news for an, another scary situation. Whenever you see comebackers at the mound, um, it always kind of makes you wince because you're never sure exactly where that's going to hit. And um, the way these guys hit the ball off, you know, the velo coming off the bat is definitely a scary situation. So now looking ahead, Angels, I mentioned this before, flying to Houston to take on the Houston Astros in a three-game series, which will be Houston's very first home series of the season. So you can definitely expect crowds. You can definitely expect 
um, some some crazy atmospheres out there in Houston this week. So Monday, we start off with Michael Lorenzen on the mound against Luis Garcia. Um, obviously, Lorenzen had a very, very good outing against Miami. Very, very um, good outing. And hopefully this is uh, a guy that can um, overperform what I think a lot of people thought coming into the season, myself included. Um, but you're hoping for another good outing. And this is going to be a legit test. And, 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 I, and I tweeted about it um, after the game on Sunday that Angels took, what was it, uh, five of six from the Marlins and Texas Rangers. And guess what? If you want to be a playoff team, if you seriously want to see yourself as a playoff team, those are two teams you should definitely take advantage of. Those are two teams that you need to beat like that where you drop one game over six. That's how. That's what you do. You take advantage of the lesser teams. You win those games. Now with Houston, we'll see how you know. I know they have some guys on the IL. We'll see how that kind of plays out for them. But Houston is is the heavyweight in the division right now. And if you want to be that heavyweight in the in the division, you got to you know do some work against Houston. So we'll see how this plays out. Hopefully, Angels bats come alive and Texas can kind of roll over to Houston and they can carry that. Um, momentum over and confidence over and they can definitely take maybe two or three i think if they take two or three they're they're going to be on a roll they're definitely going to be on a roll because after that they are coming back to anaheim for a series against the baltimore orioles and the cleveland guardians which are two very winnable series but they have to take um take take charge and 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 take care of business against houston so lorenzen's on the mound on monday tuesday you have patrick sandoval against Fulmer Valdez. We remember him on opening night. Had a very good, very good pitching performance opening night against Otani. Um, Sandoval, we'll see how he's going to do. He has six strikeouts. I believe he was kind of limited to what he can do on his first outing because of the pitch count. Hopefully he is um, allotted a little more leeway this time around, being the second time through the rotation, but that is going to be on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday are going to be at 5:10 first pitch again because they are in Houston, and then you go to Wednesday on the 20th, 4:20 for all my uh, peoples out there, if you know what I mean. But yeah, so April 20th, the Houston Getaway game is going to be at 3:40 first pitch, and that is going to be Shohei Otani trying to rebound from his last start in Texas versus Jake Orderizzi, which I. Th- believe is who the angels kind of roughed up the first time they they matched up earlier this season so honestly pitching matchup wise i i like two out of the three the one in the middle it, with valdez has um has nothing to really do with patrick sandoval i think he's great i think he has the capability of pitching a you know a um a pitching duel with him but if i had to pick one game it would be that middle game because falmer is just a really really good pitcher and he's a lefty so you know walsh and um, Marsh are going to be kind of limited in how much at-bats they get against him and how is that going to affect the team. And not having Mike Trout there, how is that going to affect the team in this series if you miss three games? So, you know, obviously missing Mike Trout would be a huge part in the three-game series. I guess the one, I don't want to say bright side because that sounds kind of bad, but I guess one of the things about the good timing of it is that Mike Trout has come out and said, and I think it was like two years ago, um, I believe they played the Astros on ESPN or Fox, some one of those national televised games where he had 
they had Mike Trout mic'd up. And he was talking to someone. He was on second. He was talking to someone on second. I forgot exactly who it was on the Astros, but he's always mentioned that for whatever reason, when he's there at, at Minute Maid, um, he has a really hard time picking up the ball with that batter's eye they have there. And if you look at his numbers at Minute Maid, they're definitely not like <laughs> they are in Seattle or in Texas. They're, they're not Mike Trout level, if you will. So I guess if he's going to miss a series, you'd rather him miss this series than any other one because he has historically struggled at Minute Maid Park, and he's actually admitted it. It's just something with that batter's eye that he's not able to, 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 to focus on the ball or able to pick up the ball spin as early as he would in other stadiums like Angel Stadium. And, and obviously, like uh, he does great in, in Texas, and he does great in Safeco or T-Mobile, whatever it's called now. So I guess, like I said, I guess that's the good part. I guess that's the bright side of it. But hopefully at some point in this series, maybe he is able to kind of DA, or not DH, uh, pitch hit uh, for someone, hopefully maybe on Wednesday if the swelling goes down. But definitely, and again, people, I, I, I tell you guys, like I'm not here to break news. I'm not here to do any of that stuff. But if you want this kind of, those kind of updates, you have to follow the beat writers that are there and they'll get to you first, whether it's Sam Blum or whether it's uh, Jeff Fletcher or, or Rhett Bollinger. These guys are in there now. They're going to find out this information. If you're a person on Twitter, do what I do. Follow them on Twitter and set your alerts so you're the first one to know. Do that and you'll get the news right away. And something like the Trout, the Mike Trout hand issue is going to be something that you, you're going to want to know right away what's going on. If he's going to be available to pitch it or if they're going to put him on the IL or if he's only going to miss you know, the three games because they do have an off day on Thursday. So it's an extra day kind of built in there. So a lot of stuff to kind of look forward to. A lot of stuff to kind of um, – hope for as far as Mike Trout coming back healthy and we'll have to wait and see about that and also David Fletcher let's see if they get an update on David Fletcher he did not travel with the team to the Texas for both Texas teams so do we get an update about Fletcher towards the end of the series or do we have to wait to Anaheim um, to get an update on him if he's going to be back on time if they're going to extend the 10-day DL for a little bit longer or, or whatever the deal is so definitely follow those people definitely set your Twitter alerts uh, so you can get the news first. So the last thing I want to talk about, um, and I guess this is going to be kind of a venting thing, and and, and I, I saw it all over Twitter, and it made complete sense because I was in the exact same boat as, as, as everyone, as everyone watching it on TV, and that's Bally Sports West. Normally reliable, normally good, this series, they took a huge, huge L. Um, starting with the Thursday game, oh my goodness, how much of a delay did they have in that game? You would see a hit, the ball would hit the ground, hit the wall, the guy, the fielder would pick it up, throw it to second, and then you would have Matt Vaskirjan saying, oh, that looks like extra bases. And it was just one of those things where it did not it looked like a high school production of a baseball game streaming o- online with them using like their cell phones as can- like very very amateurish and it did not look good very delayed and for people that don't know Matt Vaskersian this whole series in New Jersey Mark Gubaza this whole series in Anaheim the game <laughs> this whole series in Texas so you have like three different worlds trying to come together and make it somewhat good. And it just did not 
happen. And and part of that is, I don't know if it's Bally's just being cheap and not sending people out, or part of it is that Matt has so much stuff to do um, with his MLB kind of prior commitments that he can't travel as much. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But Bally Sports West really needs to figure this out. Because these away series are getting really, really hard to watch. And granted, unless you're willing to go to the opposite team's feed and listen to that, which I am not there yet, and it's probably going to take me a lot uh, a lot to get there. But, you know, Bally Sports West definitely needs to kind of clean it up. It was really bad. Matt Vaskersian is a different kind of guy when he's not there in person. When he's in person and he sees it, he's a good broadcaster. I have no issue with him. But not being able to see the field, not being able to see the ball, trying to make all these play-by-play calls through a monitor, probably, you know, obviously no bigger than a 20-inch TV or, you know, 25-inch TV is very difficult. And and you saw it throughout the whole weekend. There was one time where we, we played the Jerry Walsh home run, and that was Terry Smith. And the reason why it was Terry Smith was because the Matt Vaskersian call, had a, he had him saying it was going foul. You know, oh, it's a foul ball. Or it's a home run, or however he played it, but yeah, obviously, Bally Sports West, Bally Sports West, really, really needs to kind of clean up their act. Needs to make it better. Good news though is that Patrick O'Neill and Gooby are gonna be in Houston for the three-game series before they come back to Anaheim against uh, Baltimore, like I mentioned. So, I don't know if that trip was something that was already planned ahead of the ahead of the year that they were gonna, weren't gonna go to the Texas, but they were gonna go to Houston. Or if it is just something that cannot be fixed, that they figured, okay, let's get them out there, work on it, and then we'll see what happens next time they go on the road. But it, you'd feel bad because Gooby is a really good broadcaster, but I just feel like they had put him in a very hard spot. There was even a time during this, I believe on Saturday night, where Matt Vescursion must have hit a button or unplugged something because it was Gooby having to do play-by-play for um, a batter and a half. And... Gooby did a great job. Gooby did good. But it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, you can tell something's wrong. Or there was a time where the TV feed froze a little bit. And Matt Vaskersian is like, oh, wow, this pitcher is really holding in the ball for a while. And it's obvious that the, the, the feed has froze because no one in the background is moving at all either. And it's just stuff like that that can be avoided if they just go to the games. The, these writers are at the games. These, you know, all these people... Our PR people are at the games. Bring the broadcasters to the games. I mean, they're just as important relaying what they see to us fans as anyone else, maybe even more so. They need to be at the games. Hopefully, Bally Sports West gets their shit together and takes them to the games, puts them to the games, because this last week was, or this last series was really, really bad, and I hope they get it fixed. Hopefully, they put them on the road, and that solves all the issues for um, away games with the angels because when when this when it's like it was on thursday it is really really hard to watch and really really hard to keep focus on the game when everything is so delayed and, and just so gives you that amateurish kind of feel to it but yeah hopefully they fix it hopefully they can do better and i hope they hope they do i hope really hope they do but so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the all angels podcast we are going to be back recording thursday night on the off day so you have a brand new episode friday morning to preview the baltimore Orioles series in anaheim and also obviously to talk about what happened in houston hopefully they can continue to play well and continue 
to be in first place because as right now, as we record this, Angels are first place in the West, being only 10 games in, but still first place in the West. Feels good to say. Hopefully the Angels can continue to keep it rolling against Houston. Hopefully they are able to take at least two out of three and put himself in a really good position with a Baltimore team that um, a lot of people are picking to to lose over 100 games this year. So we'll see what happens. Hope you guys watch. Hopefully Bally's fix it, and hopefully it's a lot easier to watch with these guys now in person. But like I said, we'll be back recording Thursday night. So get us in questions, comments, or anything you want um, through social media or through email at allangelspodcast at gmail.com or our social media feed, Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll gladly take your questions there and talk about it on the podcast as we record Thursday night. So until next time, I am Dan Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.